In this area once considered a wasteland for the gospel, vibrant alliance fellowships are springing up. In a sprawling West African city, a young man once called cursed for his physical deformity and turned away by his family is hearing a different message. Love and acceptance, a family to belong to, a new identity in Jesus. As many of our workers discipled him, his life was transformed. He can't help but do the same for others now. God is opening up new pathways to ministries like these around the world. As a movement of Alliance believers, we follow Jesus' example and commands, loving and helping people in His name. We are serving communities through vocational expertise that impacts the whole person and their society. We are multiplying church networks that create even more churches to serve the unreached in their communities and beyond. And we are developing people who will disciple others to be leaders with a passion for Jesus. From our founding, Alliance people have come together to take the gospel to the neglected places where Christ's name has not been named. Today, more than three billion people still have little to no chance of hearing the good news. But God is forging new pathways to these peoples once out of reach. He is calling us to join Him, to follow Him to regions beyond. Common ground and let's stand and worship together as a community. And let's just start off by going to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this beautiful building. And we thank you for all of these individuals that have gathered here to sing praises to you this morning. And Lord, we ask you to send your Holy Spirit inside of us that we would be able to just drop all distractions and just focus on you this morning. That we could sing of your glory, sing of the glory of Christ, who is our King. And Lord, we're so excited to lift our voices to you this morning. And so with this prayer, we dedicate uh, this morning to you, and we promise to worship you with everything that we have. Amen. Should nothing of our efforts stand, no legacy survive, unless the Lord does raise this house in vain. Its builders strive to you who boast tomorrow's gain. Tell me, what is your life in this that vanishes at dawn?
church morning team thanks for leading us matt i like the new guitar though it kind of looks like you left your guitar in the dryer for a little too long or maybe overwatered the ukulele <laughs> well hey good to see you all hope you all had a happy new year and a merry christmas and uh have not had the travel woes that we had but we made it back last night amidst some chaos at the denver airport so happy to be back happy to be able to make it back here and see you all uh, we just have a few announcements this morning. Um, the first one is that next Sunday, January 9th, right after church, we are having our annual meeting, our annual family meeting that no one, yay, we have some excitement built up for that. It's a classic thing that annual meetings are the least fun things that any church ever does. But nonetheless, it's an important thing for us to get together as a family and to communicate um, what is going on, what is our purpose to gather together, and how we can continue um, to glorify Christ and to glorify God through this gathering that we call Common Ground more and more. And so that is taking place next Sunday after church, January 9th. So please stick around for that. Also coming up is the Halawasa Work Weekend. On Saturday, January 15th, um, 
us, along with a few other churches in the area that work with the Camp Halawasa outside of Hot Springs, which is a youth camp that has summer camps from preschool all the way through high school, are going to descend on Halawasa and complete a bunch of different construction projects um, that they need done. And so we have a lot of work ahead of us. If you are willing to join this team and to go down to Halawasa, we have a clipboard bouncing around somewhere. Look to your left and look to your right and see if you find one. There it is. Mark has it there. So sign up there if you'd be willing to join us. We're going to be carpooling um, from this place at 8 a.m. to hopefully arrive there at 9 or 9.30. And so if you're driving yourself down to Halawasa, meet us there at 9 or 9.30, and we're going to work basically until the sun goes down there. And there is the option to stay the night and work the next morning. And so if you are up for staying the night and working that next morning on Sunday, please indicate on there so that we can make sure to feed you breakfast. I work Sunday morning, and so I won't be able to stay the night, um, but Winter has volunteered to lead worship that Sunday morning, and we'll be able to um, continue on in worship if you stay the night at Camp Halawasa. Um, but please join us for that. If you have tools and are handy, bring whatever you've got so that we can get some of those projects done. Uh, some of the things that they need done are like installing shelving. We're going to be building a utility room, hanging doors, sanding, and paint prepping. And depending on how much paint prepping we get done, we will have painting. So lots to be done, even some brush clearing and some trees that need to be taken down. So if you uh, have your lumberjack costume, bring that. And we would love to send you outside in the January cold to take down some trees. So please join us January 15th for the Halawasa Work Weekend. Um, another thing that we have going on is that we are fundraising for a nursery at the moment. Uh, there is a room immediately off of Dark Hall there where we have our coffee that we are going to convert into a nursery. Uh, a nursery for just the really little ones and for parents to have a nice, comfortable, quiet space where they can take um, their babies during church and not just be relegated to the hallway or stuffed into the other room like I know Tyler and Chelsea so often are. And so we're fundraising to build out that space as a nursery um, if you look at our giving links online, there is an option there where you can give to that. Or if you just want to indicate it, if you're giving in person, then that is great. And also, if you would be willing to help out with any of that, willing to paint or willing to do some organization in the nursery, please let myself or Nick know so that we can um, get that done and taken care of. And it was fun this last week as we visited family back in Oregon. We went and snooped through our old church's nursery to get some ideas. And I feel really inspired now. I feel like our, I feel really insecure about the size of our budget compared to theirs, but nonetheless, I'm inspired. I think we can take care of a lot of it. We got this. So really excited about that nursery that we are building out. Another thing that you can be involved in, which is this clipboard over here. Lana, would you grab that clipboard to pass around? Is that we have partnered up with South Dakota Kids Belong, which is an organization that helps foster kids and foster families um, to provide what are called wraparound teams. And RAP is an acronym that stands for Words of Encouragement, Respite Care, Acts of Service, and Prayer. And what this means is that South Dakota Kids Belong will essentially assign us a few families to adopt. And these families who have either adopted children already out of the foster care system or who are fostering children. And because of just the strain and the difficulty that fostering children is, um, they just see a lot of burnout and a lot of families foster for a short amount of time and then never do it again. And so they really want to find ways to support these families so that they can continue on um, to care for these kids. And so we want to do anything that we can to care for those families um, because we recognize that 
fostering and parenting children is not something everyone is going to be able to sign up to do. Um, but praying for people who are is. Or maybe just providing some acts of service or some words of encouragement is something that we as a church can provide to these families who are already stepping up in this way. And so there's a clipboard going around. If you'd be willing um, to fulfill any of these roles on a RAP team, um, please let us know by indicating with that little letter, or you can just spell out the word RAP if you feel confident and comfortable um, providing any of those needs. We're going to be building some teams so that we can really support these families well. And when you sign up, once we get a few signed up there, we will have a training in the future so that we can know how to love these families best. So please join a RAP team so that we can really be the hands and feet of Christ to our community. Sound good? Awesome. Well, as that clipboard is making its way around, that's all the announcements I have for you this morning. So I will invite you to your feet and to engage in what we here at Common Ground refer to as our awkward social interaction time. So please um, feel free to make your way around this room and introduce yourself to someone that you might not know.
Please join me in continuing worship this morning.
spend every day learning more and seeing more of who you are so that we can worship you better, God. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Common ground, you may be seated. It is at this time that we give of ourselves, we give of our tithes, and we give of our offerings. And I want to remind you guys of some of the things that we talked about this morning during announcements, you know, just different ways in which you can give back to God's kingdom. Um, one of the ways in which you can give back is actually donating to the nursery fund. And so if that's something that's on your heart, uh, I really encourage you just to pray about that. And um, you can use our giving links listed on the screen here. We have um, our online ways of giving, but we also have a box in back. So if you write a check, you can just write a little memo for the nursery. That's on your heart this morning. So with that, um, let's go ahead and sing our offering song. And if you'd like to sing with us, we'd, we'd love that. So. Darkness. 
you, team. It is at this time that we are transitioning into our time of prayer um, here at Common Ground. I'm just going to leave that cord there. Uh, we set aside time during our worship service um, to pray for one another. And so it's during this time that I'm going to invite you to be able to share um, anything that you'd like prayer for. And uh, if I could ask Matt to uh, run this around for me, that would be great. Um, but before we get into a time of prayer, um, for you to share how we can be praying for you um, or how you are sensing um, the Spirit lead you to prayer, I just want to read uh, something from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 here. In light of the fact that now here in the new year, I know that right around New Year's, everyone gets this itching sense that they need personal change, personal renewal, right? And this is the time when a lot of people will make New Year's resolutions or will make commitments um, to be healthier, um, to have better practices, um, to make serious changes. And I know that we do this because we do get the sense that there's something in us um, that needs changing, that we are not fully the people that God has made us to be because sin has entered the world. And so I just want to I just want to remind us of the deep change that Christ actually invites us into. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15, it says this, And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So I just wanted to remind everyone um, this morning, as, as maybe you are feeling the sense that there is something deeply wrong that needs to be changed in you, I just want to remind you that, that Christ has made you a new creation and that he is working in you um, to make those changes. And so I just wanted to encourage you in that this morning as we enter into a time of prayer. Um, and so... Matt is uh, running the mic around. If there's anything we can pray for you about, um, please share that right now so that we can continue to pray as a family. Um, and as you are listening to these requests, I would encourage you um, to write these down, um, to make a note. I personally write these down and then have an alarm that will go off on Wednesday. And Wednesday morning for my morning devotionals, basically I just devote it to this prayer time. Um, whatever has been shared or whatever has been mentioned today on Wednesday, that's when I go over it and pray for it. So I will open the floor to you guys. How can we be praying for you? teacher because she got a new job in the middle of the year and so I'm going to teach her to the end of this year which <clears throat> I don't have much skills about that so um, we're praying about this but the first lesson last Wednesday was great but then she's in a third level it's a little bit more difficult than my basic knowledge of piano so just pray that uh, we will finish this year with her, with this level, so we can find a professional on the next year, and she'll be ready for the fourth level. Thank you. 
Sounds good. We'll pray for Anya as she has become so advanced, making it hard for you to teach. But praying for that time for you together. Hopefully that will be a great time with mother and daughter. Thanks, Tony. Uh, so, uh, you could pray for my cousin Mackenzie. Um, a lot's happened in her life, but recently she's just kind of gone off a deep end with everything. Um, there, there's a lot that I don't know about. There's a lot I do know about. So if you could just pray for her in general, she's just kind of, in a way, screaming for attention of some sort, but also just rebelling in every way she can find. So... Thanks, Logan. Pray for your cousin Mackenzie there. So I've recently gotten some opportunities for a career change, which where I'm at now, I love the work, but it's not the best paying job. So just prayers for what the next path is, if I need to stay where I'm at or move on, and if so, where. Yeah, we'll be praying for discernment there, Alex. Uh, hi, I'm Josh. <clears throat> um, I'd like to ask you to pray for a couple members of my family who really need it right now. Um, first, my brother Nathan. He's been struggling really over the last decade with alcohol addiction, and um, he's he's really struggling to overcome it. And I don't think he he knows the Lord. And you know, the truth is, neither me or him were really raised in the church. And I was lucky to to find my wife here, who kind of got me on the right track. And I just pray that somebody comes in his life and, you know, does that for him. And also for my mother-in-law, Robin, who is battling um, stage four stomach cancer. And she's really struggling to eat right now and to keep her weight on. So I would just pray that the Lord can make her hungry and so she can continue her treatments and keep fighting. Thanks, Josh, for sharing that and praying for Then I will add a few that have come in from others. One is that Mary and Carrie Schmidt um, were spending Christmas down in the mountains of Colorado, so we'll be praying for them um, as they drive back through a lot of the snow and the weather. And then for Susie's family, um, who has all kind of come down with some sickness during this time, and so praying for them as they are working to overcome the sickness with Susie and Dave. to the Lord. Well, Father God, um, we just thank you for being a God who hears us. We thank you for being a God who is intimately connected with us and in our lives um, and who gives us um, the option um, to come to your throne, to come before you, the King of the universe, and to to make these requests. God, we just praise you um, for all that you're doing in our midst. Um, We just praise you for how much Anya has grown um, in her musical ability and just for the great time that she was able to have um, with her previous music teacher. Um, but God, now as, uh, as this change has taken place, we know that, that these changes are hard and these disruptions um, just make what we expected um, our 
life and this season to look like to be so different, and it can be discouraging. But God, I just pray um, for Tatiana as she steps into this role as music teacher, uh, as she doesn't feel quite adequate to keep up um, with Anya's growth. But God, would you just give them a sweet time together? Um, Would this be a time that they would look back on in the future and just remember with joy um, the time that they were able to spend with one another um, learning piano? Um, But God, we also just pray for a great teacher to come in her life. And we just recognize the incredible impact um, that you have on us through the the teachers, the coaches, and all the people that you bring around us. And so I just pray that you'd be preparing the right person for Anya at this very moment. Uh, Someone who would be able to get her to the next level of music, but also someone who would bring her closer to you. God, we just pray for that for Anya and Tatiana. And Father, we pray for Logan's cousin. God, we just pray for Mackenzie, this uh, this rebellious spirit um, that is on her right now and just these these things that are just causing hurt in the family. Um, Father God, I just pray that your spirit would comfort them, um, that you would lead them um, to know how to wisely um, love and treat and discipline and, and work with her. God, I just thank you for the family that she does have. Um, but God, I just pray that you would do a work in her that would just be unexplainable, that her family would truly see your power in action, um, that they would see that they're not alone in trying to make these changes, but that you were the one who truly makes changes that last. And so we just pray this over Mackenzie. And Father, we pray for Alex um, as he has these opportunities that have come up. We just praise you for those. Um, we just recognize your hand of favor on his life, and we, we just give you full credit for that. Um, but now when there are these options and opportunities, God, it can seem confusing and hard to tell of what might be the right path to take. And so, God, I pray that you would just give him clarity. Would you give him discernment to know your will? And would you give him the courage to follow that? Um, God, with all these options before him, would you just continue to to speak to him? Uh, Would you just make it clear to him? Give him big ears to hear. um, Give him eyes to see um, the signs that you would use. Because we truly believe that you are the light to our feet and the lamp to our path. And so would you just speak to Alex this week? Would you speak to him through your still small voice? Would you speak to him through others around him um, who are in touch with your spirit? And God, would you speak to him through the word? Um, or would you just in some way lead him and direct him, God, as he turns towards you to listen? We just trust you in that. And Father God, we pray for Josh and Kayla, um, Justin, for Josh's family, family, who, especially his brother, who is dealing with this addiction. God, so many just see this as a hopeless situation, something that is so difficult, but we know that nothing is too difficult for you, that nothing is impossible with you. And so, God, I just pray for him. We recognize that he is far from you at the moment and doesn't seem to know you. And so, God, we just pray first and foremost that you would come into his life in a powerful way. God, would you just continue to use Josh and Kayla in their lives and in their family as a light, um, as ambassadors of you, as, as you, you told us in Second Corinthians, God, here. I just pray that over them. And would you continue to just make them um, close with their family, that through this closeness and through this relationship, that your spirit would just be working through them in the daily conversations, in the help, in the fact that they love and care for their family in just a deeper way. And Father God, we just pray that his brother would come to know you. Father, we just pray for Robin, for Kayla's mom, for this other situation that just seems so difficult. God, we pray for her appetite to come back. Uh, would you make her hungry? Would you keep the weight on her bones? Would you give her body the healing that it needs? God, we truly believe that you are the great physician, that, that you do heal. And so we ask that you would perform a miracle here, God, in this situation that seems 
so scary. God, would you do things that the doctors can't explain that they are shocked by? And would it just be a display of your power? And God, in the midst of all that, would you just be with everyone in their family as they as they love and they care for their mom? God, would you be with the doctors who are treating her? Would you just give them wisdom? And would you give them the ability to know how to tackle this, God? And would you continue to just fill them with hope? Fill them with the hope for today and hope for the future, knowing that regardless of how the circumstances may look, that you are in control. And so, God, we just trust you in that. And we declare that even when life is not good, that you are and you always will be good. God, we just declare that today. And so, Jesus, um, as Nick comes to bring us your word, um, would you just anoint him with your spirit? As you have spoken to him through your word this week, um, would you just use him as a mouthpiece to speak to us? Um, We believe that your word is living and active, and we believe that you are speaking to us through it, that you are changing us, that you are revealing more of yourself through it. And so, God, would you just give us open ears and open hearts and open minds to hear that today? Um, We declare that you are speaking through your word And we want to listen. And so, Father God, would you just empower us as listeners um, to receive your word today? And we just thank you. Um, We thank you for this family. We thank you for this community. And we just thank you for the opportunity to gather together in your presence and to praise you and to become closer to you. And so, Jesus, it is in your name that we pray. Amen. <laughs> All right, good morning, everybody. As, oh, wow. As Evan said, my name is uh, Nick, and uh, I'm on staff here with Evan, and uh, my role is uh, kind of to oversee discipleship, and that's something we hope to see building as we continue into a brand new year. Now, some time ago, Evan decided that we should preach through the book of Hebrews, so I'm going to invite you to turn to Hebrews in your Bibles or on your phone app, whatever works best for you. Uh, You're going to find it tucked between Titus and James. Does that help any? It's, you know, about three quarters of the way down the New Testament. Fairly sizable book, about 13 chapters, and uh, a very interesting book. I'm excited that we get to preach through it. I wish we had a whole year to do it, but uh, we'll just have to revisit it another time. So a few years ago, A very kind and generous gentleman gifted my wife and I with a honeymoon because we did not have a honeymoon uh, because I made the very bad choice of getting the stomach flu uh, the day of our wedding and uh, that continued into the honeymoon so between that bad weather and a lot of other things we just really didn't have that we didn't have much of a vacation uh, ever in our life either and he would ask us he said pastor have you ever taken a vacation and you know, I would tell him the places I would go, and he goes, no, those are mission trips. And I said, oh, I remember taking the kids to the Mall of America, and he went, yuck. You know? <laughs> so I'm talking about, you know, pack your bags, jump on an airplane, and go someplace, sit on a beach, that kind of thing. And, you know, Lori and I looked at each other and said, can't ever think of a time that we've done that. And so I wish I could tell you the whole story about how this came about, but he gave us a gift to go down to the Caribbean and uh, stayed a private island and so uh, we, uh, we we kept trying to give it away to other people but he says no I'm, and he says I want you guys to take it so we did he says consider that your honeymoon and so off we went on our our honeymoon you know after being married you know almost 30 years at that point 
And uh, along with going to the Caribbean, you get to go do things like swim with sea turtles. If you ever get a chance to swim with a sea turtle, uh, do it. You know, it's probably the next best thing to accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It really is. It's, it's kind of a spiritual experience. Uh, they really are like the sea turtles in Finding Nemo. You know, they, they do look like they say dude all the time uh, when you're swimming with them. And, uh, and, and as we were on that day trip to go and do that, we were able to stop at uh, different ports where the ship would kind of, or the boat would let us off and, uh, of course, do some uh, um, uh, souvenir purchasing and that. Well, my wife bought this thing, and I'm, I'm not even sure what to call it. It was a big yellow thing that she could wear over her swimsuit, you know, and it looked like something you would wear down there in the Caribbean. And, and so, so she bought this as a souvenir and as a useful thing. And I got to explain that when we were flying down there, um, I must have had something going on, and my ears just plugged up really bad, particularly in my right ear. Uh, so not only do I get sick on my wedding day and honeymoon, things like that, when I get a second chance, I get something else. And so I was not hearing very well out of this ear. And uh, I, I remember my wife coming up to me, and uh, she was wearing that, that yellow drapery that she bought. And uh, she says, I suppose I look like a beach dweller in this. That's what I heard. And I said... Why, yes, honey, you look just like one. What she said was, I bet I look like a beached whale <laughs> in this. And I said, yes, honey, you do. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a good way to have a second honeymoon. So, yeah, when you get things in your ears, sometimes you don't hear the way that you should hear. And sometimes when we get things in our heart, we don't hear things the way that we should hear uh, either. Recently, Pastor Evan had the staff take a listening test. Uh, I guess he doesn't think that Matt and I are paying attention to him during our staff meetings. So we did. We took this test. And uh, I, I got to tell you, I am not an exemplary listener. Okay? Apparently, I have a squirrel or a brain that operates like a squirrel on a sugar high. And so I get kind of distracted and impatient real easily and as we took this test I thought man that's not good I really want to change that I want to improve that I want to learn how to pay attention and things like that so it's per I'll give you permission now if you're ever talking to me and you see my, my squirrel brain drifting off you can just thump me right between you know right in the forehead bring me back to where I need to be because I do want to work on that uh, uh, it's something I definitely want to change and change is good and there's no better than at the calendar's big flip, as Evan talked about this time of year, we kind of have a landmark for us uh, to change some things up. And, you know, we talk about this unchanging God that we worship, which is true. In his essence, in his character, his nature, God does not change. But God is really an ever-changing God because he wants to change us. He wants to transform us and shape us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. So uh, it's, I think it's a good time of the year to consider, well, God, what would you want to change in, in me? And I think it's good for us to come together as believers in Jesus Christ and to realize that, yeah, we just prayed for other people, people that we are concerned about. But now as we turn into God's word, it's a time for us to think about what God has to say to us 
but not just us as individual Christians, but to us as a community of faith. Uh, what does he want us to hear together? Now, if God's shaping us into the image of his son Jesus, I would think it's a pretty good bet to say that I think Jesus was a good listener. You know, when I read the Gospels, I see how he interacted with people. You could tell that he paid attention to them. But something else you find, especially as you read the Gospel of John, is that Jesus really listened to his Father. If Jesus showed us anything in the Gospel of John, it's how to be a good follower. You know, because he did, that's what he did. He said, I'm going to do what my dad tells me to do. And so he paid attention to what his dad had to say. And I thought, boy, if I'm supposed to be more like Jesus, and Jesus was a good listener, especially when his father was speaking, I would say, yeah, then 2022 should be a year of change for all of us, especially in our listening skills when it comes to God speaking to us, to become better at hearing the voice of our Heavenly Father. But first, a few things about the book of Hebrews. Well, none of the 66 books of the Bible are what I would call standalone books. Uh, if you want to understand a book that you're studying, you've got to realize that it corresponds to the rest of Scripture, and the rest of Scripture is going to help you to properly interpret that, interpret that particular uh, text that you might be reading. But even though Hebrews isn't a standalone book, it's definitely in a category of its own. It's tucked away in the general epistles of the New Testament, uh, and it does kind of come across to us sort of like a letter, but it's not really just a letter of instruction. It's much more than that for us. Now, when you read the New Testament, you're going to see that the Gospels are going to tell us about the life and ministry of Jesus. When we get to the book of Acts, Acts is going to inform us about the spread of Jesus' kingdom throughout the known world at that time. When then comes the epistles, Romans, and so on. Uh, the epistles, the letters of instruction by Paul, Peter, James, John, and Jude. These instruct us how Jesus interacts within the life of believers as a community. Not just as believers individually, but all of us together. And then we get to the book of Revelation, okay? Uh, closing off the uh, New Testament after the letters. And, and that gives us the big heads up on Jesus' return. Okay, trumpet toots, we scoot kind of thing. And that we should be aware and we should be longing and looking forward to that. But, but it, tucked in there is Hebrews, and Hebrews is actually a warning-packed sermon. Okay, even, the writer even says so at the end. He says, uh, you know, I hope that this short exhortation, that, that's a sermon, even though it used the word short, just before that, okay? Uh, he says that, that, that this will resonate within us. And not only that, it's probably the most powerful treatise on the inarguable glory and majesty of Jesus Christ. Uh, that's one of the things I like best about the book of Hebrews is, man, you really get to know Jesus a lot better as you read through this book. Now, Hebrews is going to tell us about 60 things that Jesus is, Okay? But I think the main idea that Hebrews is conveying to us is, is that anything that God's kingdom had known beforehand, Jesus was better. You ever do that? My dad's better than your dad. You know? My dad can beat up your dad. You know, that would happen on the playground. You know, oh, my dad can beat up your dad. And I'd say, shoot, my mom could beat up your dad. They didn't know how to respond to that. You know? 
but uh, this is kind of one of those things where my, you know, my dad's better. And, uh, and that's what the writer wanted us to see is that Jesus was superior to everything that God's kingdom had known up until that point. We're told in chapters 1 and 2 that he's better than angels. Chapters 3 and 4, he's better than Moses. Chapters 5 through 7, he's better than Aaron and the Aaronic priesthood. Uh, chapter 8, he's the mediator of a better covenant. And we just talked about all the covenants that uh, Jesus fulfilled and how he brings to us a new covenant, and he mediates that. In chapters 9 through 10, we're going to see that Jesus is a minister of a better tabernacle. In chapters 11 through 12, that he's a better example than any others that have been put before us. And then in chapter 13, he's a better shepherd. Now, the Jews of that time, and we probably would figure that most of the readers, because it was entitled Hebrews, were of Jewish persuasion. Uh, but it wasn't just the Jews, it was others that had some knowledge about the Old Testament. And the writer's connecting the Old Testament to Jesus Christ in here. And he's showing us that Jesus is better than anything the Old Testament had presented before. And there's a reason for that. We'll get to that in just a minute. But basically it comes down to this. Angels, Moses, Aaron, covenants, tabernacles, examples, and shepherds of the Old Testament are not going to save you. Only Jesus Christ can do that. None of those things are going to redeem you from a broken relationship with God into a new relationship with God that then transforms you into a whole new creation, a whole new creature. None of those things will do that. And that's what the writer wanted the reader to understand, that it's Jesus Christ and Jesus alone that does that. And we go, well, yeah, I think we know that, don't we? We got that. Check. Figure it out. Well, yeah, but... Sometimes we slip a little bit. And that's exactly what was happening to the readers of uh, the book of Hebrews. There's a little mystery to the book of Hebrews. Uh, we don't know who the human author of this book is. Uh, there's a lot of suggestions that have been made. Some even said that the reason that the, 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 uh, the author isn't named is that it could have been one of uh, Paul's female counterparts like Phoebe. Uh, who helped write this, or Priscilla, uh, perhaps. And that's why her name isn't mentioned, because back in that era, people probably wouldn't have listened if her name was attached to that. But again, we don't know that for sure. Uh, lots, like I say, lots of examples have been given to us, or suggestions. Uh, Evan, I think you leaned a little bit towards Paul. Okay. Uh, Matt, I think, uh, thought that maybe Paul Wickham uh, could have wrote Hebrews. <laughs> No. Uh, I, I, I just lean towards Barnabas because he picked Paul. And so I thought, I'm going to pick a fight, you know, that kind of thing. But here's the thing. I, here's where we should all land. One of the early church fathers by the name of Origen, he said, he's the one who coined this phrase, only God knows. When it comes to who wrote the book of Hebrews, only God knows. At least who the human author was, because we do know this, that the that the church accepted Hebrews as part of the New Testament canon. That meant that it met the qualifications of having been inspired by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the actual author of the book of Hebrews. And if God the Spirit is the author, then we should probably listen to what the book of Hebrews has to say. Uh, it also was recognized as coming with apostolic authority, that it was something that the church, the body of faith at that time, had in its custody and employed as part of their worship and their liturgy. And its message is consistent throughout with the rest of the Bible. 
So we know that much about this kind of mysterious books uh, or book. We're going to see a lot of things as we progress through Hebrews. We're going to go, well, that just doesn't make sense. And guess what? Even after our preaching, it's probably still not going to make a lot of sense because that's the nature of Hebrews. I don't think Hebrews is meant to scare us, but it's meant to make us uncomfortable. And that's part of the mystery uh, that we're going to find in this book. Uh, we have some hints that it was written uh, probably from Italy and sometime before the destruction of the temple when the general of the Roman Empire, Titus, came in and leveled Jerusalem again and uh, probably sometime before uh, Timothy had passed away. Apparently Timothy's still kicking when this book is written. So we've got a little, little bit about that much information. It's immensely Jewish in nature. Uh, only Romans and uh, Matthew are going to supersede Hebrews when it comes to its uh, Hebrew nature in there. It's rich in a lot of quotations. Now it may not cite the exact uh, places where um, where it, it's, it's sourced out of the Old Testament, but Leviticus shows up a lot in the book of Hebrews. Now you're going, oh man, because I heard you guys groan last week when Job said we're going to do a Christmas story from Leviticus. It's audible. It's on the recording even. You know. Uh, but again, this writer, inspired by the Holy Spirit, was able to take this information from Leviticus and show us how even Christ uh, is part of all that. And even though it's rich in its Jewish nature, it's written in a way that the Gentile believer can begin to connect. Oh, this is what Israel's history was. This is what God was doing throughout the Old Testament. And this is how Christ fits in with that. Okay, now as I said, it's a sermon and it's packed with some warnings. And I think these warnings kind of give us the structure. And again, let me remind you that the warnings aren't meant to scare us. They're meant to make us uncomfortable. The reader intentionally does that. And, and here are some of the warnings that Hebrews contains. There's a warning against drifting, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. There's a warning against unbelief, chapters 3 through 4. There's a warning against falling away, chapters 5 through 6. There's a warning against willfully sinning, chapter 10. There's a warning against defying the work of God. Now, all of these warnings seem to expose the writer's concern for a beleaguered, persecuted, and disfavored body of believers falling back into what was comfortable for them. Now, for most of them, it was Jews. And during that time, during this period of this writing, it was not easy to be a Christian. It was much easier to be a Jew, as hard as it was to be a Jew. And so the, the writer's concern was is that because of the persecution they were facing and because of the high demand that was placed upon them to walk in the same manner that Jesus Christ himself walked, that, that some of them would probably just say, you know what, this is, I, this is not convenient for me, this is not comfortable for me, I think I'll just slip back into what I know, Right? Now, do you see the relevance of the book of Hebrews for us today? Because, though we may not want to admit it, we love comfort. We love convenience. We love what we know works for us. And truth be told, it's not easy to be a Christian. It's probably the toughest thing. Any, well, it's impossible, actually. You cannot be a Christian apart from the work of God. 
you cannot walk like Christ walks apart from the Holy Spirit working and dwelling within us to make that happen. And what God calls us to do humanly is extremely difficult. Let me just start with the, the basic command of loving God with everything that you've got. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is saying, you know, when I say neighbor, I include enemies in that category. That's tough. It's hard to do. And I think if you and I were perfectly honest, we would probably say, man, there are days when I wish I wasn't a Christian. It's hard. And because of that, God's enemy is always going to be putting something to pull us back, to pull us away, to just kind of take a breather for a little while. Okay? To get this idea in our heads like, well, I've done enough. I've served enough. It's someone else's turn. And when we do that, then we are in danger of drifting, of falling into unbelief, of falling away, of willfully sinning, of defying the work of God. None of us want to be there, but this is why the book warns us, because it's our tendency to slip that way. Now, I, I don't know that I can say I have a theme verse for the book of Hebrews. I think that uh, I can give you one today, and I will. Evan's probably going to give another one. Whoever else is preaching probably will find another one too. I think there's lots of themes that Hebrews presents to us, but at least for today, I think Hebrews 2.1 kind of stands out, and it says this. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. That's the first warning. We must pay attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift from that. Which brings me back to this resolution to become better listeners, especially when it comes to our relationship with our Father in Heaven. So let's look at the opening text of Hebrews, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Let's pray. Father, I am not going to pretend that Hebrews is an easy book to understand. But Lord, I'm so thankful that you wrote it down for us and that you did so to speak to us. So Lord, even though there might be things that seem confusing, uh, might make us uncomfortable, might seem even a little intimidating at times, uh, that God, your spirit would just whisper into our ears and show us what you are instructing each of our hearts. Lord, every single one of us here, we're, we're at different points in our walk with you, because, you know, we're not robots, we're not cookie-cutter Christians, we're, we're individuals, but yet you've called us together as individuals to be a community. So, Lord, my prayer is that as we look into Hebrews today and in the weeks to follow, that, uh, that, Lord, you would speak to us. 
but more importantly, that our ears, our hearts, our spirits would be tuned in to receive what you have for us to hear. Lord, may we be listeners of your word as we explore this book. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Hebrews chapter 1 just starts off right there. Hey, this is Jesus, and he's a pretty good deal. All right? And it, it, it lays it out pretty clearly. If you ever want to find a passage that says, Is Jesus really God? There it is. Chapters 1 through, or verses 1 through 4. It's inarguable that Jesus is the very God of the universe, creator of the universe, uh, in living flesh, and that the mission that he came to do was to purify us from our sins. Okay? Just nice little capsule there about Jesus, but he's going to expand on that as he goes on. So I, I think kind of the big idea that we're going to see in, in these first four verses of the book of Hebrews is that God has spoken. And, and that's important for us to understand because that's part of the very essence and nature of God is that he wants to be known. Okay? You guys know what agnosticism is? As people that say, I don't really believe you can know if there's a God or not. Well, I got to tell you, I'm a little agnostic about agnostics. Because I think that's a cop-out. I, I think you either got to say God exists or God doesn't exist. And the reason that I say I, I, I just have no room on the spectrum for agnosticism is because God would make himself known. If God exists, he's going to make himself known. Now, regardless of his character, I mean, if, if God were, the, were a horrible, cruel, brutal tyrant, he would make himself known. If, if he's a God who loves and cares for his creation, he's going to make that known. No God is going to say, well, I'll just let them figure it out. So God has spoken. He has not left us to just figure it out on our own or make this up on our, uh, you know, out of our own ideas or whimsies. He reveals himself. He discloses himself. And that's what this chapter makes very clear. Uh, at various times and in, in many times, God has spoken. Okay? It even says in various ways God has he's talked out of a burning bush. Okay? He used a donkey to preach to a prophet, so that's not the first time a jackass was in the pulpit, okay? Uh, so, it, it, various in all kinds of forms. God is not limited in the way that he can make himself known. But you might notice that the writer then focuses in on the prophets. In the latter days, he spoke to our ancestors through the prophets. Because these were the people that were appointed to say, thus saith the Lord God. Here is the word of of God. Problem was, when you read the Old Testament, you're going to see those prophets were very rarely listened to. Very rarely did people actually pay attention to them. So then he funnels it back out again from the prophets to the prophet, priest, king, Jesus Christ, the greatest of them all. Now, since we have this propensity toward not listening when God speaks, we should not be surprised that the Father made this declaration when he was affirming the Son at the transfiguration. Uh, here's, here's what it said. While he was still speaking, and that's Peter, okay? So, you know, Peter, he was the kind of guy that was always running his mouth, interrupting people and things like that. I just find it really interesting that God interrupted Peter. 
While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And there's actually emphasis on that portion of God's utterance. Listen to him. I can almost, you know, just sense God leaning in a little bit, maybe especially towards Peter, and saying, this is my son. He's going to be talking a lot. Pay attention to what he has to say because he chose his son to be the ultimate revelation of everything about him and his kingdom to us, mankind. That's in Matthew 17, 5 and Mark 9, 7, and Luke 9, 35. Listen to him. Now, why would God and the writer of Hebrews be so concerned about us listening to Jesus? Well, because if you read the rest of the Bible, starting back in the Old Testament, especially in the book of Exodus and Numbers, you're going to plainly see that not listening is an indication of unbelief and hardness of heart. Both Pharaoh and the complaining Israelites are our proof for that. Let me point that out again. Not listening is an indicator of unbelief and hardness of heart. Isn't it easy for us to go, well, that Pharaoh, he's just a big jerk. Well, those Israelites, I don't understand them. I mean, God was given them manna and quail and water from rocks and things like that, and they, they still whined about stuff. But don't we? <laughs> I mean, don't we have the same capacity to be Pharaoh? Don't we have the same capacity to be one of those, one of those Israelites? We see God doing stuff in front of us all the time, but we still might whine and complain a little bit about how he does stuff in our life. So I think that's why he wanted us to see that. But if Exodus and Numbers weren't enough, you know, we can carry on and see all kinds of places where the Old Testament is just peppered with people not listening. We can attribute the unfinished conquest of the promised land, the cycle, downward cycle, of the judges, and the collapse of kings on people failing to pay attention to what God has said. The, the Old Testament's historical record closes with Israel's utter ruin into captivity because they did not or would not listen to the prophets who said, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. And then the Old Testament closes with the prophet Malachi. And Malachi's last words, last words of the Old Testament, was a warning that echoed into 400 years of prophetic silence, where God said nothing. Apparently it was time for the silent treatment. Well, if you're not going to listen, I'll let you be for a while. No, he wasn't being like that. He was setting things up for the fullness of times when God would be brought forth from a woman, Galatians 4.4. 4. So between Malachi and John the Baptist, all there was was this 
echo. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike this land with a decree of utter destruction. God gives a lot of warnings all throughout the scriptures, not just in Hebrews. And the last thing that God's people heard for 400 years was a a pretty staunch warning to listen, to pay attention to the things that he has said. So we should expect that the book of Hebrews is primarily being about the superiority of Jesus Christ to continue to echo within its own contents, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now, since the challenge that that you and I are going to have together here in the coming weeks as we progress through the remainder of Hebrews uh, is to improve our listening skills when it comes to God, it would be good to keep these points in mind. I did not make a slide with these points because I want you to listen carefully. Point number one. If we are one of those who say, well, I never hear God speak. He doesn't talk to me. The problem is not our ears. The problem is our hearts. God is always speaking. He is always making himself known. But he is only heard by those willing to be obedient, no matter the cost, the circumstances, or the consequences. Get that? First point, listening to God. If you're not willing to obey, you're not going to hear anything. But as soon as we say, okay, God, I'm all in. Here I am. Whatever you want. Whenever you want. However you want it. You know, whatever it's going to cost me. I'm yours. Take me. Suddenly, it's going to be like God's right there in your ear. Second point. Listening is prayer. But the problem with most North American Christians is is that we we tend to monopolize the conversation, don't we? We give God our list. We say, here it is, you know, lay it all out to him. And then in Jesus' name, amen, boom, we're done. And what we've got to learn to do, what I've got to learn to do more of is, is when I'm in prayer with God, when I'm in that inner room with him, to let him do most of the talking. So when you go in to pray course tell God your concerns and your petitions and those sort of things because he tells us to do that but he also expects us to listen more than we talk so I would say when you pray keep a Bible open and keep a journal handy something to write down on right there and while you're in the inner room shut off from all the other distractions of this world just spend some time listening now things are going to start popping into your head this is where discernment comes in because you need to be able to discern between what God is saying and what your own crazy ideas might be. All right? Third point. God speaks to us through the Bible. God will not say anything contrary to what his word says. So that behooves you and I to become good students of the scriptures. 
to pay attention to what they say so that when we're in the inner room listening for God's voice, when we believe we hear him saying something, we know that it either matches up with the Bible or doesn't, and then we know what to do with that if it does or doesn't. Learn to read the Bible slowly. Read it out loud. The book of Hebrews, you can read it out loud in about 45 minutes. That's a typical sermon. It would be a short sermon back in that day. And as you read, read with a listening heart. Read with a spirit that says, man, I really want to pay attention. I want to catch stuff here that, that maybe I might have missed before. And this is a, a term that I hear Evan use a lot about, leaning in. Now, here's a really good one. When you're reading the scripture, lean in to God. Lean into Him. When I worked at the School of Mines, I, I worked with a guy that was always frustrated when international students would come into our office to request some work being done uh, because uh, it was hard to understand them sometimes because of their accents. And I always thought it was kind of funny. I could hear them plain as day, but Dan, he would always lean in a little bit closer and have them repeat what he just said as if that would help him. Maybe it did. Maybe it did. But don't we do that when we really want to hear what someone's saying to us, don't we tend to just step in a little bit closer? So you're going to see that in Hebrews where it says, don't draw back. But do the opposite and lean in so that you hear the gentlest, tenderest whisper of God's spirit in your heart. Because I don't think God's a yeller. You know, when we watch uh, Cecil B. DeMille's uh, Ten Commandments, when God speaks, you know, it's, it's like he's on a PA system or something. This is my son, <laughs> who I am well pleased with. Listen to him, thunder ram crash. But no, I think it's a gentle, still, small voice that God uses when he speaks to us. So I think he does that on purpose, so that we will again lean in point number four god is pro memorial you see that all through the old testament where he says hey take up a bunch of stones and stack them up and give it a name and that name's going to correspond to how how i revealed myself to you here and then that way you will always remember and you'll be able to tell your sons and daughters and they'll be able to tell their sons and daughters for generations on right pile up these rocks pro memorial and i think god is pro memorial because he knows how short our memories are right okay we make lists we need to okay because the more information we cram into our heads it's like a it's like a bookcase with no back on it we just keep pushing stuff off behind the bookcase you know and we lose it back there so write stuff down that's that's important my wife has a whole list of things on our garage door that you know as you walk out into the garage everything that she's got to take with her for work right and the and the last thing is brain <laughs> <laughs> that should probably be the first thing, you know, but, but you know, that's important because you want to make sure you have all your stuff. Well, we need to do that in our spiritual walk as well. So being that God is pro-memorial, because our memories are so short, I would say this. Instead of stacking stones, stack up journal entries. Oh, I don't keep a journal. Well, change that. Start keeping a journal. Now, let me make something clear about journals. Journals are not teenage girls' diaries. All right? They're not written down for only your eyes, right? 
a journal is actually kept for the eyes of others and that's a good thing or we would not have had Nehemiah or Ezra in the Old Testament when you write stuff down in your journal as you're listening to God you want to write these thoughts down and then you want to share them with somebody else because again we're communal in our faith we're supposed to be and that way if I'm you know if I'm spending some time and I'm reading God's word and I I see something here and I go well that's that's interesting and I write that down then one of the first things I can do is sit down with Evan and say Evan what do you think about this And he's gonna say that is the most ludicrous thing I've ever heard in my life and I go okay good I needed to know that because it sounded that way when I heard it right. or he might say something like you know what Nick I've been seeing God do things in your life that match up with what you just wrote down because that's what we're supposed to do. That's how the Holy Spirit works within each and every one of us to either affirm God's working in our lives or to help guide us into God's working of our lives. So write things down and then share them so that you can get affirmation or confirmation and know the difference between God's expression and maybe one of your own wild ideas. And then here's the fifth point. In these last days, God has spoken to us through his Son. Jesus Christ, the Logos, John chapter 1, is the very expression of God, the very nature of God, the very being of God, the very totality, entirety of God in the human flesh. Listen to him. The first and last and most important step in listening to God is going to be found in the quality of one's relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let me say that again because I think that's important. The first, last, and most important step in listening to God is found in the quality of one's relationship Jesus Christ. If you're listening today and if you have no faith relationship with Jesus, there's nothing to hear. Just crickets. But the crickets are chirping the same thing. Repent. Turn away from your sin. Turn back to God through Jesus Christ so that you can be forgiven and you be given a whole new life, a clean slate. That's what the crickets are chirping over and over again. Nothing but that. And we either choose to listen to that and respond or ignore it. Now, if you're one of those who's struggling to hear God, but you have a relationship with Jesus, then it's time to assess what voices other than God you're allowing into your life and kick them out. Because God's very serious about us hearing Him and Him alone. And I gotta tell you, that's something I have to do on a regular basis because there's so many voices striving and competing for my attention, especially with the squirrel brain that I have. I have to learn to identify those and go, that's not God. That's not who I need to listen to. Out. I just want to hear him 
So always assess. Always do a heart check. How much of the world and how much of God is influencing us? And then if you're one of those who desires nothing more than to love Jesus more, to walk more like he himself walked, to demonstrate to a broken world what it looks like to trust Jesus, I guarantee you that you will hear him whisper amazing things into your heart. I guarantee it. And someone might say, well, how do you know that, Nick? I know it because he said so. Matthew chapter 10, verses 26 through 33 say this. Jesus speaking says, have no fear of them. That's all the people that might be making life hard on you, that sort of thing. Remember, that's the audience of Hebrews. Have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be made known. Hear that? Jesus says, if there's stuff I want you to know, you're going to know it. If you're leaning in, I will reveal these things to you. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. What you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the Father. Even your hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before man, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before man, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Hear the warning hear what Jesus is saying to us in that if our heart is to know Jesus more, to love him more, to be more like him, to be more effective in a lost and broken world in loving the souls that God loves around us if there's anything God wants you to know you'll know it he will see it through because that's what God does he makes himself known is so rich as I was looking at those four verses I, I barely just bounced off the surface of everything that Hebrews 1, 1 through 4 has to say to us we could spend hours looking into what you were saying just in a, in a couple of verses uh, but sometimes Lord I'll confess I'll sit down and I'll, I'll read your word and nothing sinks in nothing seems to connect and again, it's not because there's something wrong with your word. There's not something wrong with your ability to communicate. It's there's something wrong with me in receiving. And so God, a lot of times in church, we'll pray for healing of all sorts of things, physical ailments and whatnot. But my prayer is this today, Lord, that you would heal our hearts. That you would, in your gentle, loving, merciful, gracious way, 
touch each and every one of our hearts so that they would be able to hear you like never before. God, will you speak to us? And will you find us like Samuel saying, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And God, as we hear you speak, may we then be found ready to make it known to others around us. Not hoard it to ourselves, but to give freely as you give to us. And Lord, as we do that, may the year of 2022 be a year in which your kingdom and the glory of Christ explodes in our community. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.
as you uh, go forth from this place. May the words of the Shema echo in your hearts. I'm going to appropriate it for this body of faith, though it was originally given to Israel. Hear, O common ground, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your heart, and with all of your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as a frontlet between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Common ground may God's words resound in your souls so loudly that other people hear what God has to say. Go in peace and have a happy new year.